Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Good morning, Lizzie. I thought we weren't allowed to say that. Yes, that's true. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. You broke your own rule. I really did. How Hello. Are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling a little bit backwards. I think I might be a bit jet lagged still. Well, you did go to Hong Kong for one day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like two and a half, but it felt like one day. So you landed. So you left on Wednesday morning. Yeah. And then you were there on Wednesday night. Yep. And then you went to bed mm-hmm. and then you woke up and you had one day. Yep. And then... You woke up the next day and you left that night. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're hardcore. <laughs> I would be very tired if I were you. It was well on Saturday, so we had the red eye flight, which is an overnight flight from Hong Kong back to Melbourne Friday night. So we landed back in Melbourne Saturday morning, and we were very tired. We had um, Josh's dad's house warming, and that was fun, but we felt like we were literally falling asleep standing. So we went home and Josh had actually had plans to go to a birthday party and he was really excited Crazy. about it. But we were both just looking at each other like, <laughs> this imagine. is just not going to happen. And we um, we were falling asleep on the couch at like 6.30. So we literally took ourselves to bed at 7 um, and fell asleep by 7.30. And then we didn't wake up till like 9 the next day. So You obviously needed it. Yeah. Do you feel better now or you just a bit? I feel better, but I think I am still a little bit. I don't know, jet lagged somehow. Tired. It's funny though because there's only two hours time difference, but I feel like sometimes it's the ones that aren't that far away, like a Bali or um, a Thailand or um, anywhere in Asia basically because the timing's not that Mm-mm. different. They're the ones that shake you the most. What time is it in Hong Kong right now? Well, it's two hours behind. So Oh, so it's earlier. Yeah. I see. That's yeah. when it gets you. Yeah. When it's later, it's way better. Mm. Anyway, how are you? How was your weekend? It was good. We recorded Dalton and I this podcast together. It was such a weird thing to do because I feel like with your partner, you're used to being able to talk about anything and obviously it's like the most private conversation you would have. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there was two mics in front of us. Yep. And it was very, very, very strange. But then I really, really enjoyed it. So I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. I'm sure Get to know Dalt a little bit more. Mm. No, I'm sure we all will. And um, we're doing the same thing with Josh, but it was quite funny because I think both the boys are in the same mindset when we asked them. They were like, them, we don't want to do it. <laughs> we had to convince them. <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoy it. Hi, Dalton. Hi, Laurie. This is... Very strange, I have to say. It's, um, to be honest, it's probably going to be the most uncomfortable. How many, how long do we have to do this for? It depends how long our conversation goes for. Uh, can we <laughs> just go to bed? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's do it. So anyone know, that knows Dalton and I will know that we usually go to bed super early. We usually go to bed at about 8.30, but it's currently 9, so we're pushing it's, through. It's 9? It's 9 o'clock, yep. Oh, it's bedtime. No, anyway, so... Bill wants to go to bed. Thank you. Bill's next adult playing with the sock. Hopefully he keeps quiet over there. Shh. <laughs> it's so funny. I've interviewed so many people, and obviously you're probably the person I know the most, but it, this is quite a hard thing to do. It's really awkward. Because we're so used to talking normally and not with um, podcast mics in Should front of us. Should we put our normal voices on or? This is normal. 
No, like when we talk to each other, those voices. <laughs> oh my God, no. Okay. Anyway, so to start every podcast, we start with three questions. Uh-huh. The first one is three fun facts about you. I think I'm a singer, but I really probably shouldn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Um, I am a mild germaphobe. I would say extreme, not mild. Well, depends what rating system you're on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> More than me. I don't um, even... You're not... No, we won't talk about you in germs. <laughs> um, you're not even on the scale. It builds up your immune system. Um, and the last one is that I... Oh, hang on. Last one. I'm trying to think. Oh, I am the messiest, not messy person in the world. Well, the... The cleanest, messiest person in the world. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the way to run it. I'm happy you're finally admitting that. I'm clean that. in only uh, certain areas and messy in others. Fair? <laughs> Very true. I'm glad you admitted that. Okay. No, no feedback Good. on that? No feedback. Oh, great. Okay. So what about the most pivotal moment in your career or life thus far? I think my most pivotal moment for me in my life that really changed my um, I guess perception on where I was at the time was when I got a bit crook with vertigo. Um, I've shared that a little bit on social media over the journey, but um, that was probably the most pivotal life-changing moment for me because it really changed my outlook on a lot of things. Okay, we'll go into that later. What about the first goal that comes to your mind? It can be in relation to anything. Um, as far as goals go, um, I wouldn't say it's a business goal. For me, it's just finding the perfect balance between work and life and living. I don't think there is a perfect balance. No, I don't think there is. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm trying to find whatever that perfect balance is and that's different for everyone. But, um, I think at the moment we're both in a very incredibly busy stage with work Mm. and, probably our balance is out of whack. So my goal is short term and is to find that balance again. Some type of balance. Some type Your of balance. Our own interpretation. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Whatever that is. So obviously I know all about you growing up, but you haven't shared any of that on social media. So what were what was your childhood like? Um I was very lucky. My childhood was filled with love. I come from a separated family. Um, Same as me. Same as you. And both with love on both sides of the family, both my mum and dad. Uh, I was very fortunate to grow up in a very comfortable household on both sides and very grateful for the opportunities that I was given in life from an early age. And largely uh, my parents... Uh, the reason I am the way I am today and I think that's massive for a lot of people I'm very lucky to have them both play different roles in my life mm. and different responsibilities I would say some are funnier than others and the journey mm-hmm. has been up and down definitely um, but I think it's been uh, I look back on it with a lot of great learnings but it's ultimately shaped me who I am now and hopefully has shaped me to the parent I want to be <laughs> So, you said you were lucky with the opportunities that you had. Were you talking about how you got to work with your dad from the age of eight in his suit store? <laughs> um, I don't know if that's lucky. I mean, I'm yeah. sure you didn't do much when you were eight years old. I think that's brutal, old. actually. <laughs> work at slave labour, I call that. But, um, no, I think the opportunities, I was, I was lucky to... 
I think be surrounded by love on both sides, but just in different forms and different interpretations of what love is. My relationship with my mum was very uh, a more emotional mum basis relationship and my relationship with my dad was probably more as a, a best friend. Yeah, that's how I see you, like mates. Um, best mates. And a lot of that was formed through my passion or both of our passions for football. But my mum was still – is probably responsible for my – softer side as you like to call it um as dad is very uh bill's about to literally turn the podcast off um my dad is a very strong person in his demeanor and, and a very uh his way or the highway type of person which i don't necessarily agree with on at all times but um and i do have some of those traits as we all get them from our parents but um yeah I think fortunate in the way that my relationships with my both my mother and father were different and unique in the way that I am and shaped me to who I am now. And you found a love for men's fashion when I you did. were younger. <coughs> well, and that's my, from working with your dad. Yes, my fa- my family business or my father's business. Who he's uh, very successful and and an idol in my journey, um, as all our parents, I hope are, um, in some way. But it's. For me, my dad was a massive impact on my life because he ran his own business from the age of uh, 22. He took an opportunity and ran with it. And for 40 years, he worked in the rag trade and the fashion industry. So I grew up with the knowledge and the ins and outs of what that industry was. And there used to be, not used to be, well, yeah, there used to be a boom time of retail. And now, you know, the, the, the days where online stores didn't even exist and social media and Instagram, Facebook, they didn't exist. You had to go walk to the city, go into a shop, buy a suit. You couldn't find it anywhere else. You had to go look for it, um, which has obviously changed dramatically. But even through that change, his old school habits, uh, he was still incredibly successful and now has recently retired probably at the right time because retail is extremely tough. So I gained a lot of um, not only passion for menswear, which ultimately led me to the tailored man, but also... And you had a lot of suits. I had you were a lucky to have so many 48 suits. suits at one stage that for a 19-year-old, which is, uh, yeah, silly. You probably would have less now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think less is more. <laughs> I think uh, I have changed how I look at fashion now. I find fashion um, and menswear, which ultimately led me to the tailored man and starting that, which is a large responsibility for changing my life and where it is now. But it's, I think... I look at fashion now as something that is, as a whole, is something that is interchangeable and versatile and having basics because you don't need to spend money on things that are seasonal. You know what's funny? Um, as I'm looking at Dalton, when I first met him, he only dressed in, and I didn't care, I couldn't care less. Oh, here we go. You always wore suits and like always totally different clothes. I remember the first time I met you, we wore white pants, which I was not a fan Do of. Do you remember my motto? <laughs> Do you remember what I used to say? Uh, oh, yeah, always dress like you're going to meet the love of your life. Correct. And so you did, and then you... <laughs> I met my love of my life, and I decided to wear track suits, socks, so now, and Birkenstocks. ever since um, maybe the past probably year or so, you've changed the most, but so Dot used to wear something different every day, some type of nice suit, and now you wear the same. He's got about 10 black T-shirts from Uniqlo, five <laughs> pairs of black 
black or blue black black jeans from Uniqlo. Yep. And three jackets that you change and you wear all your black Uniqlo shirt and he wears the yep. same thing every single day. It's called a uniform, Laura. Yeah. Some people have to be <laughs> in their so workplace. Funny how it's changed. Not everyone can wear sports gear to work, but um, <laughs> no. Well, I guess now it lends the space that I'm in now. I dress for what's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, football. Football was a really important part of your life, and I think really important in your relationship with your dad. Mm-hmm. I, in the time I've known you, you did your knee. Yep. Um, before, so before, I haven't actually yep. known you to play football, but it was a really Which big part of your life. It's probably the most bizarre thing of all because mm. for, oh, well, the majority of my life, you know, football's really, from a playing point of view, has only been out of my life for the last couple of years. But for literally since I could walk, um, I've had a football in my hands and my dad was quite a good footballer back in the day, or so his friends tend to tell me. And that meant a lot to him. Um, and it meant a lot to him, but it wasn't those typical parents pressuring the son or the daughter to play sport and be the best. And I, I loved it. I wouldn't have done it without loving it and actually what led me to stop in the end was my decision like it wasn't led off how I was feeling at the time or how I was playing it was a change of heart and he 100% supported that he still gives me shit for pulling the pin but he loves what I'm doing now and loves the life that you know we both lead but he's so fascinated with the business last year Dalton pretend or he wasn't pretending you were serious at the time but you you thought about making about five football comebacks and I remember the look in your dad's eyes every time you told him and I was like oh no he's He's not gonna go through with it (laughs) he was like oh really I'll go I'll go I'll go I I think a part of me still wanted to be that and you know football for me was a massive part of my life but it's also given me a lot of structure to who I am today and the discipline that I was very lucky to play at a professional level and um, playing in the VFL for the Box Hill Hawks. And uh, it was for an incredibly successful time with Hawthorne and the whole club as an alignment and everything. But I learned a lot of things out of that that have ultimately shaped me for work, life. Um, and I think sport and team sports and sport in general give you amazing skill sets Hmm. to help through life and the discipline for not necessarily competing at a high level it's going for a run and being diligent Hmm. to go for a run and the discipline i think that's helped me so much i think in sport if you're not good at something you train and you get better and i think you can apply that to so many aspects of your life I, i think waking up freezing cold in winter and getting out of bed to go mm. for a run everyone battles with that even if you do it every day there's still times i don't care who you are you like oh i just want to mm-hmm. sleep in doesn't matter if you're you're super super fit or you like yourself you get up without fail and i'm a bit lazier these days but um <laughs> it's i still don't want to but i do but you know what you feel 10 times better for it or that's for me i feel 10 times better for it everyone knows about laura's endorphins and all the Endor rest what? of it endorphins <laughs> um she loves them so do i but um yeah i think it still takes discipline to be able to get up and do something for yourself in the way of physical activity hmm. and with footy you also put a lot of pressure on yourself so i was really surprised when you said that you didn't really touch alcohol until after you were 21 
I, I reckon, yeah. I think, and a lot of my teammates would probably be able to attest to this, but, yeah, I did not drink till I was at least 21, 22. How come? I... Um, not that you need to drink at all, but I just you did oh, choose no. to. After I, I you chose not footy. to. Part of the reason was a performance. My football journey was not something that it wasn't all easy. Mm. I am not the tallest person, and the sport doesn't. There's still great short players out there. There's incredible. Don't blame it on your height. I'm not blaming it on my height. <laughs> I'm, I'm, joking, I'm, I'm trying joking. to finish that sentence. Don't kill me now. But um, <laughs> I, I to be my height and to play at the top level, like so many great players did, and I watched play when I was playing at a high level. How you have to be you? amazing. I'm five eleven. Um, it's not short. It's not tall. It's just in the middle. But I, on reflection, I was just not as good as those guys my height. Um, and that took a lot to come to terms with, but I still tried my ass off in that time. But for me, drinking was something that was a negative. So if I had to be the best of me, the best version of me to perform was not drinking. But it was funny, I actually started to play my best football when I relaxed and wasn't so rigid with my training and actually enjoyed, I'd have one drink a week, which is still what I implore now. And we sort of both have that on a Friday night. We get to the end of the week and we have a glass of wine or whatever Maybe it might be. two. Uh, probably two or three. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things like I used to think that that was a negative impact that stopped me from being the best version of me on the football field the best version of me as a person um the, the other sort of half of that story is i had some troubles growing up within my family with um alcohol abuse and things like that which scared me you know i didn't want to i didn't want to fall into that trap sometimes alcohol abuse can be something that is hereditary and it's in your blood and your family and not all cases in my case it's definitely a family trait um and that scared me growing up and having to deal with that at a young age and see that um is scary uh but that was definitely probably most of the decision around it but now i do drink um i did drink in moderation of course and i drink to not to use it as a outlet or things like that like i drink because i enjoy that with a nice meal or with friends and family and and a moment you've got a lot more balance in your life when i first started dating dalton all he ate was there's nothing wrong with stir fried meat and i was living by myself out of home and almonds i was in good did you eat and eggs and bacon eggs 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 and i after dinner used to be like um you know when you first start dating and you don't really feel comfortable asking like oh we're gonna have dessert or is i have to have something sweet after dinner so i literally eat like smash chocolate this stir fry and then i'd be like um Almonds is that say. all <laughs> anyway and you used to think anything sweet or anything that wasn't you know a part of your very very strict you were kind of paleo i suppose diet yep. was unhealthy but now it's so nice that you have a really balanced outlook on your well i probably thank you for that one but it's also i think i actually made that decision on myself the best thing about playing football is we had a lot of education around diet food training hmm. preparing for a game so I played my best um, 
football when I was on a paleo diet. Don't know why, don't ask me why, like I did. So I guess that ingrained me as that was the best version of myself because... Ask your question. Didn't you have a lasagna before every single game on, and that was on, your best on, pre-game on, meal? Hang on. That is called a ritual. I'd have okay. two chicken rolls day before and then I have a tray of lasagna the night, which... I used to look forward to it at the okay, end of the week. That's not paleo. Anyway. No, that's just that's just shush. So you touched on before um, at the start that you battled with vertigo. So before I met you, I'd never heard of it. What is that and how did that affect your life? Well, me specifically, it was the my second last year of football. I was having a really great season. I was fit healthy like I was the season before that I'd rarely had an injury um never had an injury by the odd week missing here and there but um durable nonetheless but it was a year I'm trying to think what are we in now without pinpointing the year I think five or six six years ago or something be about yeah I reckon five or six years ago probably five years ago um I was 21, 22, probably 22 at the time, so maybe four or five years ago. Um, and I was studying at uni, helping working in my family business, which I actually left at the time to go work in a the same industry, in the fashion industry, in a, a more business managerial role. Um, I started The Tailored Man and I was playing professional football training five six times a week and and living that life which in the vfl it's a really hard slog to balance work Mm. and football and be the best you can be compared to an afl player who's getting paid to train eat sleep repeat um which is amazing which is what i strive for for a long time Mm. but it's um it's a really hard slog and the expectations you put on yourself and the stresses you put on yourself to perform in that field but also the same as the person I am to put that same energy into everything else. Mm, footy can be really hard on your mental health, hey? Oh, I think people, Any high-level sport. High-level sport, any high-level sport, people really underestimate the, the mental strength of the best players out there and the best athletes. Like, and everyone has their ups and downs and I was no superstar, I was no... AFL player, I didn't play AFL games, I played VFL and, you know, loved it for the moments that I was there. But I didn't have a long career. Um, I did a knee and it finished and lucky I had something else to fall back on. But the mental strength that some of the best players have is incredible. But I also think, and I think it's starting to get opened up a little bit more, is that people, sports people need just as much help. Hmm. Um, although they might be idols to some and heroes to young kids, which is amazing, they need to be able to be vulnerable. Especially in the club. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't played football before, but I would assume in, in a, especially in a men's football club. Well, that, um, that, and that, I don't know. Of course, I haven't. I have not been in that environment, but I feel like no one's sitting I'm, there thinking, let's talk about our mental health. Well, I, I hope that would be the case, but I feel like it would be really hard to bring that up. I, I think... I think something like stood out to me the other day um, and a statistic around 75% of suicide is male-led across mm, Australia, which... so sad. I, I actually shed a tear when I first he- heard that and then 
you see now a lot of elite sports people and in AFL particularly people stepping away from the game, people at the peak of their powers. These people mm. are super fit, healthy, but healthy in a physical way. Mm. Their mental health is not healthy. And that is the thing that I think is – I think I learned through my time in the system that it – I look back on some things and I'm like, why did I do that? And why did it take me so long till 21, 22? Yes, to not just have a drink, but to relax about it. Mm. Because I used to bottle my stress up so much to a level that, yes, I was still playing good football but and working hard and all the rest of it, but I would just be like... There would be no leniency. Holding yourself to be, perfection and 100%. So there if was you had a drink, else. it was like you weren't perfect. I failed. Yeah. I failed. And... That is crazy now that I think about it. Mm. But I know, I know there's plenty of guys and girls out there for that matter that are in an elite sports pathway and would have those pressures. But everyone has pressures. Mm. Everyone has day-to-day pressures. But people in the elite sports pathway, like they're trying to do the best they can. Mm. And, you know, there's media, there's scrutiny, there's criticisms that they can't even control. And that's the same for social media and online. It's out there. It's open. Um, You've seen your fair share. You know, I've seen it over the journey. Like, it's the thing that social media has opened up is pretty much the open bandwagon for people to write whatever they want, Mm -hmm. which is cool if it's used in the right way but incredibly damaging if it's used in the wrong way. And I think the biggest thing I sort of say to people, and a comment came the up, up the other day in the public, which I won't mention, but I sat there and I shook my head. I'm like, you don't know what this guy's going through. You don't know what any other given person's going through. How can you make that comment and be so naive to someone else's circumstances? That is the hardest part. So I think it's really careful it's been really careful when you talk about this stuff and I am no expert in it, but I learnt that through my pain with vertigo and the symptoms that I went through and the anxiety I had after that moment, which was largely out of my control, but was not out of my control because I didn't notice the warning signs. So what happens to you when you get vertigo? I pretty much feel like the world is spinning. I'm standing on a boat. What take us back to? I mean, I was I wasn't in your life then, but yeah, no, when it weren't. happened because you were bedridden for a whole week. Yeah, two weeks. Um, it was probably I was playing. I think it was a month. I'll never forget it. I was we were playing Frankston Football Club um, at Box Hill City Oval, and I remember walking out of the race and falling into the wall. The game. Yeah, like uh, the race to the game. <laughs> oh, that's what I call Not a race, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Little tunnel. You you walk out. The players uh-huh. walk out. Well, you run through the flag. The we banner. didn't have a flag at the BFL yeah. level. But <laughs> at AFL, yes, Laura. Um, and I remember just walking out, not running, jogging, just walking, and I fell into the wall with no, like, no one bumped me. Like, I just... Mm. Off balance. Tripped. Like, it's like I blacked out for a second and I hit the wall. Which I was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, maybe I'm sick or I've got a cold or what. Yeah, anyway, so I played for a month past that moment and it got worse and worse and worse week after week. And I'm, it was literally a month later. Um, my symptoms were pretty bad. It was affecting my work day, but still 
with that sort of athlete mindset for perfection. I was never going to show the team. I was never going to show anyone that I was vulnerable. I was never going to show... I was never going to let the chance of being dropped or kicked out of the team or anything. Like I, Even though those things wouldn't happen, hmm. those were the things that were in my head because I thought that was what the worst thing that could happen me happen to me at the time. No, the worst thing was what happened to me those four weeks later and I completely had burnt myself out on a Friday afternoon, which I pretty much collapsed in uh, a really bad dizzy spout where my balance, inner ear balance organs pretty much reset and I couldn't walk. And I had a massive anxiety slash panic attack, which made me think I was having a heart attack, mm. which for people that do have those and have gone, I my sympathy is, I, it's scary. It's yeah, it incredibly does, it really scary. Does feel like it's debilitating. Are you, and especially the first time, and if you don't know how to work through those, it's horrific because I'll never forget that moment where I fell over due to this dizzy spell, which was a disease. Like it wasn't it wasn't something that had just sprung out. I just ignored the warning signs. And it comes from vestibular migraines. And my diagnosis after a numerous amount of testing was vestibular migraines, and which is vertigo-like symptoms, but it's uh, more specific. It's pretty much a migraine of your inner ear balance organ, which imagine your headache, which a normal migraine sufferer, I don't get migraines. Um, you don't get a headache. There's no warning. It just happens. You're not in pain, but you know you're dizzy and you definitely know you're dizzy. And I've spoken to a few people. I've spoken to, I, I, I found ways to rehabilitate it, but it was as basic as standing on one foot and closing my eyes, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk for two weeks until I worked out what it was. Numerous tests, numerous physios, doctors, and I was very lucky to have access to some incredible med- medical practitioners through back football. then through football mm-hmm. and grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was actually the most innocent suggestion from nothing to do with football that actually led me to the cure because mm. it was just a place called the well, Dizzy you Clinic. You haven't cured it, have you? I think no, it's something I, that you I, manage. It's something you don't fully you recover don't push, from you now don't push us you know i know you know you say i'm pushing myself too hard right now i'm i'm feel like it's coming down and then you always have to take it a bit i have easy. to take it easy and you know work is incredibly this sort of goes back to the work-life balance and trying to find whatever that is <laughs> and what is perfect to mm-hmm. every individual but i think people you don't know what it is until you push past it and then mm. you break it and breaking it was the hardest thing I've ever dealt with and that's why it was one of my moments or truly defining moments because it changed my outlook on life. Um, people have a lot worse situations that are, have moments of impact that change people's lives. I'm not saying this is this is unique you, to me. For your life, yeah. Um, for my life and my experience, this is unique to me and it was enough to shake me up from a person that been an athlete and working hard and busy and loving life that I thought I was invincible to I was vulnerable and couldn't walk outside and I thought I was like almost like an outcast in society hmm. and the anxiety and the pressure of that and then to walk back to football and say I'm good um, that to me is incredibly scary and a place I never want to get back to You were able to, well, not cure, but find the balance with your vertical and be able to control it. You've had quite a career journey. So 
What do you do now? <laughs> I'm a jack of all trades, master of none in my mind. <laughs> but um, from that moment, I was working, I was splitting my focus over a lot of different areas and uni, two different jobs, football, um, and at the time starting uh, The Tailored Man, which was a online men's lifestyle publication or is still an online men's lifestyle publication um, with social media channels and all the rest of it supporting it. But I really threw 110%. I quit the other two jobs. I kept playing football even though I was coming into finals and missed six weeks of football from this um, disease. And when I came back, played a couple of games, still wasn't right, took the pre-season off or the off-season off essentially and I ended up moving clubs at the end of the year but changing my whole view on what I need to prioritise my time with and I decided to go 110% into the tailored man and um, so thankful that I did because I think uh, three, four months later, I was a totally different person. Like I had changed my thoughts and my thought processes on certain things and how to break down things and get through the barriers that I'd pretty much built up from having this vulnerability and this disease. Um, and by throwing 110% into one thing, along with football was still in the forefront of my mind, um, along with uni, <laughs> um, it grew. And the tailored man is responsible for changing my life now and also leading me to you, but also being one of the first in the online sort of digital space to really harness and grow something in the men's space and, and in Australia in some ways, um, which is crazy to see because now Instagram is such a vehicle for advertising and marketing and has so much power because people have access to individuals' lives, brands, companies, stories, and... I think that storytelling from that has ultimately led me to where I am now, which is um, being the founder of Bullfrog Media. And that is a media agency that pretty much builds marketing strategies from the ground up with a creative storytelling um, lens. And it sounds weird, but I, I really do think that um, our key motive is to be small, nimble and flexible but to build these ideas and these stories from a creative place and my love for storytelling which was built through The Tailored Man has ultimately led me to now working with some of the most biggest brands in the world, um, biggest brands in Australia from, you know, Maya, Mercedes-Benz, Penfolds Wines, um, AIA, Life Insurance. Um, it's incredible to be able to now work in tandem with these brands and almost pass on the expertise I learned by starting something in a field that wasn't a field and almost help with their strategies moving forward in an online and digital presence. And what's been your biggest challenge? I think my biggest challenge, I would say there's two. My biggest challenge has been sharing the load and handing things over mm. as far as a learning curve. I think... I'm a control freak and a perfectionist, which is a really bad combination and good combination in some ways. But I think 
the one thing I am incredibly lucky for is I have an incredible team of creatives and you do. people that are so hungry for reaching that level of perfection although that none of us know what it is but we still drive and we're hungry to be better than we were the last time and better again no matter how big or small the other part of that i think is really being critical on myself and accepting feedback and criticisms on myself as far as my weaknesses and strengths and i don't think that's an easy thing for anyone to go through is looking at what you're good at and what you're not and it's not so much you're really bad in something or you're really really good in something it's finding that balance between good and bad and or strengths and weaknesses but i am very lucky my team picked me up in my weaknesses and i acknowledge those weaknesses very openly with my team because that's the responsibility that they hold to me to pick me up in and they take that onus and they live, they, 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 every day they're, they're aware of it. We discuss it. We have open, honest communication. And that is why I'm so lucky to have such a great team that see that opportunity and almost fill the chinks in the armor in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like the same thing that you do to make me a, a better person. I'm talking about Laurie here. I feel like we're not, I feel like as an interviewer, <laughs> um, not my fiance, but it's, it's the same reason that, you know, people surrounding yourself with people that bring out the best in you. And I'm very lucky that I have that both at home and in my office. Oh, that's nice. Me too. So then if you could give a lesson, just one to someone starting out in their career, would it be that or would it be something else? How's the best way to say it? I think the things that I've called out there are a byproduct of working hard and not working hard as everyone has different levels of what working hard is. Um, And I'm very lucky that my team and myself are, are so passionate and love what we're doing is that it doesn't feel like work. And I'm very lucky to say that I run a business, own a business and work every day doing things I love. And but not everyone you, has that opportunity. It has taken you a bit of time to get there and probably probably 100%. in saying that, probably less time than it takes a lot of people to find that. Yep, because a lot of people have... I left school wanting to be a sports doctor. Mm. Here I am running a media agency. Yeah. <laughs> if I knew I would be sitting here eight, nine years later being doing what I'm doing now I think my year 12 subjects would have been 10 times different but I think there's something special in that learning experience and not everyone works it out overnight some people need that time to work out what is going to be the best or what shoe fits and I think while I've been lucky to run my own business for the last five six years there's incredible learnings in that there's incredible learnings for working for someone else too. Everyone takes different things out of every day. But for me, it's taken me six years of running my own business to work out where I need to end up now. But I also don't like planning too far ahead because I think life presents you with so many different choices and so many different moments that you need to make a decision left or right. And sometimes it's not clear, but you need to go with your gut. And I'm very lucky that my guts held me in good stead, but also it's been calculated at the same time and calculated not as far as like, oh, this has to tick this box. 
it's been calculated off the pure love of what I'm doing. Hmm. And not everyone not everyone is, you know, probably in a job that they can say that they love or they they walk in every day and want to be at, but maybe it's a stepping stone to finding that next love hmm. because you never know when it's going to hit you. I think that's true and it's so important to remember. I know when I first started uni, I did law arts and I hated arts. It was not for me. I was not you've good at it. you never told me you've done arts. Yeah, just one semester. Wow. I wasn't good at it. I was, I'm not a great writer. I, I was just not a great You're student. not an arts. You're not arts. It's just not me. Anyway, but at the time I was like, I've wasted this time and this money, you know, obviously because each subject costs, but then now I look back on it and that helped me find out what I didn't like and if I feel like it's yeah, every step to find things that you don't like is a step closer to finding what you do like. So I think for me, then I went into business, and and I loved that. But I think it's also people are afraid to fail. Hmm. But it's sometimes your biggest learnings. I think your biggest learnings come from your biggest letdowns or your fails because you sometimes have the harshest wake up call to realize what you do and don't like, hmm. or hey, I mucked that up, but I will be better next time. Or, hey, I didn't muck it up completely. I've still got a job. I'm still working through but I'm never going to let it happen again because I'm not going to let my team down. I'm not going to let me down. I'm not going to let that. But that you shouldn't feel that pressure to let you down, but you've learned from your mistakes. And mistakes are vital for the journey. I've made heaps. As long as you don't re-repeat, that's the rule. The True. same one. The you same can't one. do the you same do, one. If yeah. you do both, well, you're in trouble. <laughs> but no, it's. but even if you do do both, it's taking the learnings and maybe you get a different learning out of it that mm. time and maybe it's slightly different to the one moment before but as long as you don't three strikes and you're out <laughs> that's it two is it so next we've got some questions from the community that came in that are all about oh, our relationship oh no so thank you for sharing about your career and your childhood so first one is how important is communication in a relationship, I suppose specifically in our relationship. It's really awkward when you're asking the questions like this. I know. <laughs> can we have a girls? Go can with we ever phone a friend no, or something? Just like, go this with is it, awkward. Okay? Just go with it. It's not. Um, I I think, and and this is like this is just our relationship, and I guess the learnings from this, and you know, for those that are listening, like. Me and Laura's a relationship. Every relationship is unique, and everyone has different workings of how they get and through things. You should things. never compare anyone's Hell relationship no, to yours because my previous long-term relationship was, a, which was a great relationship, it was totally different. Hmm. But we still had enormous amount of respect for each other, hmm. and, and and love, you know, and 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 that's the thing. Like, yes we're soon to be husband and wife and yes you know you're Doesn't my that sounds so funny it's, it's weird but um <laughs> it's weird it's probably one of the first times i've openly sort of said that actually you know. but um apart apart from my fifi but um oh, i don't know about that one <laughs> i think what we're very lucky with from our point of view is we have a full open honest dialogue ac- across everything not always sunshine and rainbows we argue we are passionate we're like we're driven in work but But also driven go to bed mad that's our biggest rule never we never Um, go to bed mad at each other we sort it out i think we did one we work through it (laughs) have we i think so (laughs) but that's the thing and and i think think, yeah so dalton and i definitely um 
don't agree on everything, but that's okay. And we do fight. Like, I, you know. But I think I think the thing that, that we do, and, and I think it's something that we've both, both actually learned at work, is as soon as you stop communicating and you don't, things as soon down. as, you know, things, you start thinking things in your mind or someone's done something wrong, you just communicate it at the start. Usually you can solve it in five seconds, and but if you let it stew up and, and you get mad and, and well, it think, can become so much worse. But also I think people are quick to jump to Mm. the gun and Mm. they don't listen to both sides they take something that someone has said and flip it in a way that isn't actually what they meant yeah so if you just talk about it so if you discuss it as adults and discuss it adults don't even know what that word is really but like you just discuss it as individuals and Mm. this is actually what i meant there is no harm done here like i'm just being honest about how i'm feeling how are you feeling like that is as honest as it can be and hearing both sides of the story and also putting yourself in their shoes. I think a lot of people yeah. are quick to say something in a relationship or in any relationship for that matter and they just judge off that and then boom, done. Now, you can't always predict what the other person is thinking but yeah. you also need to put yourself in their shoes from their scenario and what they're dealing with because like what I was talking about earlier with mental health. You can't talk about someone else's state without Mm. knowing where they're at. You can only hope that you can be careful or somehow be able to support in some way but or sympathize with what that person is going through. But I also don't think you can 100% know until you've heard both sides. Mm. And I think the biggest problem with some relationships and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, our like a love relationship or a friendship or a best friend or whatever it might be is that too many times, and I've had this experience in my friendship group where too many times people are quick to judge off mm. one comment. Well, hang on. Without context. Without context, mm. that sounds Taking harsh. things out of context. It's like always. when people read a text message as opposed to a phone call. <laughs> Never do and that. And <laughs> people are like, oh, that's a bit harsh. Oh, no, no, no. Love heart, love heart. Smiley face, smiley face. Like, <laughs> no, like I didn't mean it harsh. Like, sorry, I was just on the run. Like I was on the go. Sorry, I was just like, yep, cool. I can't say I've ever taken your text messages to heart. We don't really I usually, text. Yeah, we usually call anyway. We call. So how about... Uh, yeah, we do speak a lot in the day. Um, how do you find balancing work and home life when we both run our own businesses and often work late at night, most nights? I, I think this question's sort of funny at the moment because I think we're doing a bad job at the moment. Yeah, true. Um, we've just moved house, um, which is stressful in itself. Mm. Um both our both of our work is incredibly busy at the moment and going through really interesting different stages Hmm. um and although both exciting i think we're in a bad spot at the moment but i hope now we've finally unpacked the boxes to our house and i guess we're both very um homebodies and like we love our our space and love our space together with to get both of us in it, but clean. Well, you're messy, but clean and unpacked and fresh, and like to allow us to be the best versions of ourselves. And I think it, the last few weeks, there's been so much going on that we probably aren't in the best balance at the moment. So I think, in answer to your question, like I think, how do I manage it? Well, I think it's been aware of it. And aware of when we're mm. doing bad, but also knowing and aware of when we're being sometimes good. Sometimes work gets to a point where um, 
you know, there's some busy periods of your life that you can't avoid and just being okay with that but knowing, like, talking but about it with each other. It. Yeah, that's and, right. And it, it goes back to the last question, like, being openly honest, like, I have to work tonight yeah. and almost setting yourself, like, I'm committing to you that my commitment tonight is I'm not present because I have to do I work. I don't think if, if, especially with me, if if we come home, if I get home and if either of us says to the other, I have to work tonight, you're kind of like, okay, that's okay. Yeah, but yeah. if after dinner you take your laptop out and you start working and you stop engaging in conversation, that's where it can, can be really hard because you kind of didn't have that expectation. And we, that's probably one of the things we fight about because we're both like, hang on, you said you couldn't work. Oh, but I got to send this email. So yeah. it's also like, but where do you stop? And look, Although we're both incredibly lucky to run our own businesses, that is one of the pros and they're online a lot. Mm. (laughs) Online doesn't sleep, so it's sometimes hard to switch off, although we do try and we do communicate it. I think it's the trying and the communication that is the key. Yeah. What about home life balance? What do you mean home life balance? The home life. As far as like who feeds Bill and yes. who does the washing and well, I don't really do Making the washing. Making dinner. The washing is mine. The washing is your... That's my one chore. I wouldn't say that's your domain because I do do the washing sometimes. But <laughs> I think I think for me, you know, those old connotations of where, you know, girls do the housework and all this sort of stuff like... Well, you grew up in a family where I grew where up in a family where that was the case um, and very old school in thought processes and my dad is still now he's listening um and he still gives me shit for wiping and mopping the floors and doing this but i respect and i we both respect that each other are busy i get enjoyment out of doing some things and i enjoy cooking i actually enjoy cooking when dalton cooks he literally follows the exact recipe you all saw my beef burgundy it was on the money it was on the money but um i i think you chip in and get it done where you can like my mental health and my happy space and happy place is when we're both happy yeah and i think something that's helped both of us is and sometimes it can't happen but i find that something that i really value in our relationship is that we can kind of sense when the other one is like off it, oh, but no just really like kind of quite stressed or quite busy or pump. something under, you know yeah. um and in, in that time it's not like oh this is your job this is my job it's just that other person that's not as busy will pick in. up more things because the other person needs it and i think that's something that i find really special i know when um when we relaunched kick like you were there i didn't do anything at home i don't think for literally a month and didn't do one thing and that you didn't even say anything so that was yeah um it's really nice to to have that and and not always can that be the case because sometimes uh, you're both busy and you just can't and you just we can't both let the house do it. you can't let the house just get filthy exactly but um it's nice i suppose to not i i think it's nice that we don't have your job or my job it's just we just get it done together as a team which is special Look, Bill's pretty lazy, but... Um, <laughs> he just makes mess, doesn't he? Just he just makes mess and gets the floors dirty. But look, yeah, I think I think the connotations of the old school norms, uh, they might be still relevant in some... And they probably are still relevant in a lot of homes and relationships across. But like, I just think that that for me is not... Um, 
is not relevant and not relevant for our relationship because we are both so lucky to run our own businesses and have an incredible little son in Bill. But um, <laughs> it's and we're very lucky to you have just the things help. we it's have. A, you just got to chip in and make it happen. And, cool. But to create that nice space, which is a clean house. It's our. I do find that I find it's really. I feel like if our space is not clean and there's clothes everywhere and the space is dirty, it impacts both our work. Yeah, and when it impacts our work, it stresses us. Yeah, for sure. And if we have that stress, it's going to stress our relationship and it just hurts a lot of things. Mm. So now for a funny question. What do you mean? This is awkward. Me asking it. It's from the. It's from. Actually, it's for both of us. What is the best thing about being in a relationship with each other? The What's best. the best thing? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's what I just said. It's the support of healthy having snacks. you. Why are you saying it in that voice? Because I like healthy snacks. <laughs> <laughs> As what, alluded to earlier, it's uh, my uh, <laughs> my repertoire of desserts and post-food outcomes are non-existent and Laura opened my eyes to that. So, so now anything healthy... That Laura says healthy. <laughs> no, I knew what you were going to say. Funny. You were going to no, stitch me up. I wasn't. I was going to say oh. that now you can get the Keep It Cleaner Bliss Balls in the supermarket. Yeah. Why do you need me anymore? <laughs> that's the only... If that's the best thing about being with me and you can you can kind of buy it at Woolies or Coles. That's so mainstream, man. I don't want to do that. I still want custom-made, all right? I want custom-made Bliss Balls, all right? I'm not here for... No, no, look. It is, um, you know, considering Laura opened my eyes to a lot of... Educated me a lot around, like, what's good and what's bad. Like, I used to eat... A very interesting diet. You just have more balance, don't you? you oh, I have balance, but, but it's the thing with your old diet was it, it kind of creeped into. Mm. Is that a word? Leaked? No, creeped? Definitely not. Leaked into. I don't know. Leaked into mm. parts of our lives, like we wouldn't go out for dinner as much, things like that, yeah. because you were I so strict. Regimented. We never, sh- yeah, we yeah. never shared dessert and things like that. So you've got more balance now, which is good. If you could change one thing about me, what would it be? Stop waking up so early to go for a run. (laughs) No, I take that back. I take that back. That's not changing. Sorry. Stop being so like energetic in the morning. (laughs) Like, okay, guys, let's go for a run. No, I'm not the app. I'm not the app. All right. (laughs) Um, Where else? That was a good. That was a funny question. What are you changing about me? Did you know? Isn't it no, two ways? The question was not two ways. That was an individual oh. question. How did you know you were ready to ask me to marry you? Um, oh, it's a good question, but I knew pretty early on in our relationship that Laura, I was going to marry Laura. We, um, I guess we sort of moved quickly in some ways in our relationship. We moved out together pretty early in the piece and... Mm. Um, it just worked. I don't know. Like we both love health and fitness. Like we have, we're, we're pretty opposite as far as our personalities and characteristics. Hmm. But, you know, they say that cliche of opposites attract, I guess. <laughs> I knew that I was going to marry Laura yet, yeah, like I said, really early into a relationship. But it was sort of funny the night before I was going to propose to her and I'd plan as some might have seen like a... Uh, I literally woke up on the Monday and planned it all in like five days because I was so overweighting because I'd had the ring for so long. Um, I literally planned it 
And you planned it around my birthday because you planned knew I wouldn't be surprised. Cause and, and also the part... Sorry, I wouldn't be expecting it. Expecting it because I actually talked down her birthday and I'm actually not a big birthday person. <laughs> um, I was like, why don't you care about like, it? you don't care about my birthday. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care about mine, so you, it doesn't matter. But um, also, you know, both coming from separated families, it's a hard reason to find we're very lucky to celebrate with our families the night after mm. and it's a hard way to find a reason to bring everyone together without making it sound like something's happening a big celebration and, and i didn't want to tell anyone um at all really um and only just our mum and dads essentially and they only found out pretty much the day of um and yeah it was funny the night before i sort of yeah, you asked my mum and my dad i did yeah. both um I pretty much the night before I'd planned all this stuff. We're lying in bed. I don't know. We're just both like looking at each other. It was really weird. Maybe it was because I was looking a bit too much into it because I knew what was happening the day <laughs> after. But I almost like pulled the ring out and I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to roll with it now. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it was just a weird moment. And I guess I 110% knew then. I 100% knew when her family accepted me into their family. And I guess, yeah, I guess that was the special part about it but yeah it was very early in our relationship that i don't know it just worked <laughs> so now we've got some quick one sentence answer questions that was a mouthful but answer one with one answer sentence questions. yes yep. okay how long did you hide my engagement ring before you proposed or how long before did you six months you okay you didn't have it for six months no i left it at the jeweler i'm not that dumb Oh, because I would have found it. Yeah, you're a bloody, you'll find it somehow. And our house is not that big, so. (laughs) Who does Bill prefer? Me. Dalton. Don't look at me like that. He actually prefers me. We're working through it at the moment because Dalton's sad about it. No. (laughs) Describe me in three words. This question was actually from Wendy Smith's mum. Selfless. Oh. Uh, Determined. Happy. <laughs> yeah, happy. What was your first impression of me compared to now? This is the last question. Shit dancer. Swear on the podcast, Dalton. I think Shit's you already have word. it. It is. What? It is. This is real and relatable. Okay. So bad dancer. Terrible. And now? Terrible. What? But I you know the funniest thing is your you dancing improved and you've rubbed off of me and I was daggy awesome as like, mine and I love it. Nah, no, <laughs> I am not as daggy as you. That is rubbish. <laughs> you are. Anyway, thank you so much, Dalt, for talking to me. This was the most awkward conversation in my life. Was it? I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it, too. it. But it's weird when I know talking it's weird to having you a and having a mic in front of us. This is pretty much pillow talk. You know what's funny? I think the weirdest thing is that you're one person that I, you know, you can talk about anything and you just know that it's just between us. It's weird talking about... It's between us with the mics. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no. Well, thank but you. But thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to that, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I, yeah, just, I just find it so funny that we went into our relationship, but I, yeah, I hope that um, you did enjoy it. And if you do want us to do more podcasts like that, please let us know. As we always say, this podcast is for you guys. So what you want is what we will do. Now for the question of the week, we actually got this question from last week's lot of questions because we really liked it. So thank you, Jamie Williams, for sending it in. The question is, what are your favourite books to read? So I'm going to take that as what's your favourite genre and then what's a book you recommend? That's a good way to take it. Yeah. 
I thought so. You go first. Well, apart from our book, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a girl's guide to kicking goals for anyone that didn't know we had books. Yes. Um, I like to read, I always get notes, biographies. Yeah. I used to say bibliographies, which is like the referencing page at the back of the, the homework or whatever. That's but funny. I like biographies and just um, hearing people's personal stories. And my favourite book that I've read probably in the past six months, now I'm back at uni, I'm not reading much mm. at all because I just feel guilty. So I just don't read anything, <laughs> not even my books. But I um, really like Michelle Obama's book. What's it called? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's not called Believe. You tell me yours and then I will Google it. Yeah, okay, good idea. Um, So my favourite genre is actually probably like drama romance, like fantasy novels. Um, Yeah, I kind of love, I love following along like a a, a weird romance that's like really far-fetched. I like reading those stories. But I also do like biographies. But one of my biggest recommendations, and I recommend this to anybody that has ever had any troubles with their relationship with food or themselves is Mel Wells' book, um, A Goddess Revolution. Um, It's one of those books that once I read it, I kind of wish I read it earlier Mm. um, because I kind of read it when I, you know, developed a better relationship with myself. But there was so much in there that I was like, yes, or like totally related to. So, um, and I know it's helped a lot of women. um, So definitely recommend that. And you found that you were staying in, was it, Bali or Thailand and you found it in the villa well so I knew about the book I'd heard about it and everyone had recommended it to me and I saw it I was staying at a villa and I saw it in this little library in the villa I was like oh great I can read this on my holiday now and I read it and I posted about it and she wrote to me and I was like oh this is cool the author's writing to me and she was such a lovely girl and she said that she'd actually stayed in that exact room and left it there purposefully so it was really cool and we ended up meeting up and did a bit of was that in London yeah yeah that was amazing we did a kick event but yeah she's a really good girl um I love what she does and her books are awesome Love it. And you sound like a jet setter from this podcast. <laughs> You're like, I was just in London and Bali and Hong Kong and Thailand. <laughs> well, you know me. So what's um, the book called? It's called Becoming. Oh, yes. So I was on it with the B-E word, but it's Becoming. But recommend it so much. You just get an insight into Michelle Obama's life. And I love that she just came from a really normal family. I think you feel that, same with Barack, she speaks about him, which is so awesome. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Sorry if I did it wrong. But um, I feel like with the president of America, you would expect that they came from some really special family and, you know, they came from like a big place of privilege and they didn't. So I thought it was a really, really good story. Good one. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. As always, we would love it if you could support our channel by subscribing. This is not a channel. This is not YouTube. I keep calling it a channel. (laughs) A podcast. Subscribing really helps us. It does. And any positive uh, reviews would be much appreciated because we've had some odd ones in the past that haven't exactly been constructive. Um, and it's okay. It's, we'll go past it's fine. We're past it. It's okay. Um, and then also you can find us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner or Laura.Henshaw or Steph Claire Smith. And obviously, if you'd like to follow Dalt, he's got his own page and his business pages as well. Dalt Graham. You can follow him on there. Mm. He just posts <laughs> pictures of me and Billy, really. <laughs> He's following me <laughs> so much. Anyway, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.